0: Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Grant Cooper, Joseph Pratts, and Mark Cantu from the Big Vibe Group coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co host this week. He is a Houston hospitality veteran and a co founder of the Houston Barbecue Festival. Michael Fulmer, welcome back to the show. How are you?
1: I'm really good, man. Festival's coming up. This week, so it's been two years, so I'm excited. Yeah, Sunday. Uh tickets Sunday, tickets Sunday, still Sunday. available. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they'll be gone soon. Uh VIP, I believe, is already sold out.
0: There you go. All right, let's dive right into the news of the week. Cabo Bobs, the Austin-based burrito joint with a location in Briar Grove, has plans to open three new locations in former James Coney Islands. One is in Meadows Place, one is in Katy, and the third is in Willowbrook. Michael, I know you're something of a Cabo Bob's uh, fan. So what do you think about their plans to expand their presence in Houston?
1: I think it's a great call. It's, uh, the concept seems to work really well. Uh, it's not a huge amount of labor that they have, but you know, they're making all their product fresh to order. Uh, the quality is definitely there in the ingredients. Uh, the service is really good. They do curbside really efficiently. Um, you know, there's going kind to of people be people who are like, you know, decrying the fact that an out-of-towner, you know, these interlopers are coming in. But you know, the fact is they do a good job. They make a great burrito for meat lovers and not. So, and tacos too. So I say the more the merrier.
0: Yeah, I, I you know, I sort of struggle with that. Out of town or thing, I mean I think you know i like a I like a locally owned restaurant as much as anybody, but you know at the same time it that's not how capitalism works right like if they see opportunity, you know they certainly deserve the opportunity to to take advantage of it and and plant their flag and see how they do
1: yeah, and there's been several local and there still are a few local burrito places you know, and so Exactly exactly you said this is how our, how our economic system works and and the best ones rise to the top.
0: No absolutely and, and just to sort of follow up on your point I mean I, I I've enjoyed my occasional meals at Cabo Bob's. I, I like that they make the tortillas to order. I like that they cook the meat on ceramic cookers either big green eggs or Kamado Joe's you know they make all the sauces the they cut all the vegetables they they bread all the fillets right they're not buying frozen, pre-bedded tilapia there you know it's a better quality product i just and it's and obviously it's very affordable
1: yeah it is and, and it, it it's like if you want something quickly it, you know that it, it's done very quickly you can do it online um you know and back to even you know piling on what you said is that yeah the quality of their heated meat and their, their fish is really good particularly we've all had that skirt steak that's too chewy or the chicken that's been overcooked and it's mealy uh, and I've not ever had that experience, and 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 they've got several different tortillas that they'll make to order. Uh, so they're they're definitely appealing to a large swath of of, of Texans and humanity uh, of of different dietary your know, restrictions as well as desires, and you know, and they, I think they they rise to the task at, at, in each of those areas.
0: Right, and then you know, just you know, I, I have a whole article about this, obviously, but. You know, one of the things they said that really appealed to them about the Katie location is that there's so many big high schools out there that it gives them a a student population that's almost as big as what they have with their location that's right next to the University of Texas in Austin. So, you know, they've been very strategic about sort of identifying these. And, you know, I I guess I feel some nostalgia for the fact that, that James Coney Island has closed so many locations, but you know, I think they're, they're looking for, you know, the reality is it's just not that many people want to dine in at a fast food restaurant anymore. And so they don't, they don't need these large locations like they used to operate.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: All right. Let's move on to topic number two, the chocolate bar announced that they will be returning to the upper Kirby river Oaks Montrose area with a new location on West Alabama to go along with that. New location. They will be a new name. They're calling it Winfield Chocolate Bar. A nod to the owner Winfield Campbell, who uh, you know, is also the founder of Bex Prime. They acquired the chocolate bar in 2019. They've been making some improvements and, and now they're they're really set up to grow. And so the new name gives them a more distinct identity and sort of paves the way for some of that growth. Uh, Michael, let me throw it to you. What do you think about the chocolate bar coming back to West Alabama? And, and what do you think about this new name that gives it uh, a slightly new identity?
1: Uh, it's, it, to a certain extent, I guess they're, re, they're somewhat rebranding, but by keeping chocolate bar in the name, you know, and by doing things like the Culture Map podcast, they're getting that information out there. Um, I was sad to see them close, the, you know, the Alabama, the West Alabama location in Montrose, uh, because that's what's closer to me, and I actually I frequented it. I mean, there was a time when there wasn't a lot of what you call upper end, uh, high end, high quality ingredient um, ice cream places. I mean, there was some, there was good ice cream to be sure, um, but now uh, there's, uh, you know, I dare say we could call there's been this barbit, there's been this uh, ice cream renaissance. Um, when you look at, you know, Jenny's coming in, Milk and Sugar, you know, Sweet Briar, you know, the, the list goes on of, of all these really high quality places that are really producing incredible ice creams with uh, some really interesting uh, varieties. Um, and the chocolate bar has been like, hey, it's in our name. This is what we do. There's like these this this Penelope of chocolate flavors and textures. And that goes right to my wheelhouse because I'm a chocoholic. So I love that, you know. Um, and also, their are baked items, uh, their pastries, you know, the famous, uh, well, I guess it's uh, Uncle Daryl's and Aunt Etta's cake, these like just absolutely huge pieces of cake that's actually really moist, really flavorful, uh, definitely made to be shared. Uh, or guiltily eaten uh, on your couch by yourself over, a, <laughs> over, over a, let's just say, a, a Netflix binge, uh, you know, marathon. Um, I mean, so I've heard, so I've heard. And Allegedly. so, they, you know, so there, there's room for all of these people. And yet they've also like they've kind of they've they've carved out this little space saying, hey, we are we are the, the chocolate people, you know, um, for lack of a better word. Uh, and they do it really well. And, you know, I'm seeing pints going for not just nine and ten, but in some cases, eleven, twelve dollars um, from places that are seem to be thriving. And I think they I, I want to say they push it around the it's around the eight dollar a pint, you know, which is definitely more expensive than what you find in the grocery store. But go into go into an H&B or a Kroger and how long is the aisle not the frozen aisle, the aisle for ice cream? It's huge. Okay. Uh, there's no lack of desire for people to eat, you know, ice cream and frozen yogurt and all the variations therein. And there's room for these high end, high quality ingredient places. And so, you know, welcome back is, is what I have to say.
0: No, I, I think that's all well said. Just I, I, I happened to look up the, the menu online while you were talking. They're up to $12.95 for a pint. So they're definitely, you know, right in that premium space with, you know, Cloud Ten or or uh, Sweet Cup or or Sweet Bribery or or Fat Cat, and you know one of the other things when I talked to Molly, she said you know very clearly like, you know the the Aunt Etta cake, the Uncle Daryl, you know all those cakes that people know and love, they're not going anywhere. That that's a, that's a core part of the chocolate bar experience, and they're not they're not changing the recipe, they're not doing any of that stuff. But you know she said that they have been sort of making tweaks to recipes, quality of ingredients, things like that to justify some of these prices. And I said, well, give me, you know, give me one example. And she said, you know, we're using better strawberries for the dipped strawberries. It, it's the same, you know, that, that leveraging their buying power combined from the chocolate bar and Bex Prime got them access to better ingredients. And so, you know, I think that's, that's the sort of thing you can taste when you when you go in, you know, bigger, fresher, juicier strawberries. So, you know, I, obviously, you know, they're not the, they're not the people who founded the chocolate bar, but they have acquired it and they are looking to grow it. And, and having talked to Molly, I'll say, you know, I think they get what people like about it and and they're going to build on those things
1: but that's i mean i think that's great so certain ingredients will be muted on the palate when they're you know when it hits your tongue and your the flavor receptors at a very cold level so having the higher you know quality ingredients you really have to use more of them and it does cost more money but like when you taste that when you taste their you know their orange flavored chocolate ice cream or the mint flavored or the brownies you know it's like you taste it all that you taste the quality there and That's not something you're generally going to find in your supermarket aisle. Uh, You know, you're going to find something, but it's going to be of a lesser quality. And so they're bringing something that you don't get there. So, yeah, are they trying to bring in, you know, tens of thousands of people and sell at a a high volume? No, but I think they're going to do it in a way that they service the community. They stay true to their roots and and hopefully they turn a profit because we want them to be around.
0: Absolutely. And the new location is on West Alabama, just east of Kirby. And of course, you know, we, we spent all that time going to uh, the dessert shop that's not there anymore. Whose name I've now forgot.
1: Petite I'm Sweets. My- <laughs> Petite Sweets. <laughs> thank you. It's almost you. a good thing that it's gone. You
0: know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there, there really hasn't been a replacement for Petite Sweets in that immediate area. And, and so I, you know, I think it's a smart location for them. And and obviously, it'll have way better parking than the old chocolate bar location on West Alabama, because it, it would be almost impossible to have worse parking.
1: Yeah, it was it was pretty challenging uh, to get in and out of there. I, you know, I could kind of pick and choose my time because I live close by, but I get that. And And, you know, you also make a good point is that they're offering something more than the ice cream experience. And so it's actually a great place for a family to, you know, bring their family in there, go in on a date night, you know, or, you know, you've had dinner somewhere else like, hey, let's go have a high quality dessert somewhere. Um, I don't want to deal with valet parking and have to dress up, but I want to go have something really good. It's it's a great denouement to that kind of experience, too. So they they kind of check a lot of boxes, too.
0: Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to topic number three. The team behind Blue Dorn, by which I mean Aaron Blue Dorn, his wife Victoria Pappas Blue Dorn, and their general manager and business partner, Sharif Mboji, announced that they're they have a name and a concept for the restaurant they're opening in Rice Village in the former Palton Rose space. It will be a seafood restaurant called Navy Blue. Michael, let me just let me just throw it to you. I mean, does it does the seafood restaurant seem like the right addition to Rice Village or, or does it does it almost not matter because it's the Blue Dorn team and, and anything they do is probably going to be very good?
1: Well, I, I, one, I think they've got such a great pedigree and their commitment to quality across the board, meaning front of the house, back of the house. What goes on the plate uh, is, you know, is well established. But, you know, nothing is written in stone. I mean, you still have to walk the walk. You can't just talk the talk. Uh, And and Houston has long had a very somewhat problematic relationship with high end, high quality seafood places and their ability to, you know, stay financially solvent over the years. Um, And we don't have a lot right now. And it's very it's a very hard restaurant to to run on a consistent basis and do it profitably. Steakhouses. Even though they have a, a, a thinner, they have a thin profit margin in terms of what, especially with the price of beef, but it's almost like people are going to turn out like you, we're still going to see steakhouses open up in this town. There'll be no lack of that. I, I think that's true really across the country, but seafood, much more problematic uh, from a food cost uh, and from an operating cost. So yeah, it's a, it's a challenge to be sure. But I mean, if you had to pick a handful of restaurateurs to open someplace like that, they're certainly on the short list of someone I would be confident in that, um, and they're doing it in a good environment. When I say good environment, the, the place of West U is certainly uh, upscale. Uh, people who you know want a quality seafood experience and understand the costs involved in that, and they you know they're not as prone to the sticker shock, you know, as opposed to someone who's maybe expecting something at a lower price point. So, I feel confident in it is in a long winded set, long, long winded, you know, way of saying it. Well,
0: and, and I will say to sort of build on your point that, you know, seafood dishes have been an integral part of the blue dorn experience, right? For, for me, every meal there starts with oysters, raw roasted and fried. You know, they have some other raw seafood dishes. They have the pastas, you know, they do a sea urchin and crab pasta, for example, They've done ora King salmon in, a, in several different preparations. They've got a, a gulf uh, Chipino on the menu right now. So, you know, a really good octopus preparation. So, you know, they've certainly demonstrated some, some skill with seafood preparations. And so, you know, kind of building on that with, you know, more, I think makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, their, their acumen is well established. Um, it, it Like I said, it'll be a little more of a risk having that, you know, a, as the main focus of that. Of course, I'm sure there'll be, you know, some kind of proteins like pork chops, steak on there, as as most seafood places do, just as most steakhouses will throw some kind of ode to the, you know, seafood just for the variety for their guests. Um you know, it'll, like I said, it'll be very interesting to see how that develops. I, I couldn't want it more. I mean, you know, when, what's it, uh, salt, uh, salt air closed, that was, you know, a huge space and big operation, but you know, I really liked what Brandy key was doing there. You know, now we have 1751 and i love what they do there, but is there room for more? I mean, here we are in the shadow of the Gulf and, and that's kind of like one of the prides of, a, of, of, of our environment here, you know, the restaurant scene. So to have a place that gives more, you know, focus to that, to that loci is uh, certainly I think uh, necessary if I can use that word. So uh, I'm eager, I'm very eager to see how it turns out.
0: Right. And, and I do think it'll be interesting to see how it sort of fits in basically being around the corner from Gratify, which, you know, has that kind of brasserie menu. So it, it has, you know some raw seafood dishes. You know seafood, shellfish tower. You know some cooked seafood items too, of course. And and but but it's not a seafood restaurant, but it 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 serves compelling seafood dishes. So it'll be and and it you know it's kind of the the king of the neighborhood right now in terms of you know buzz and and CNBC and and all that kind of stuff. So you know, gratify will be you know over a year old by the time this opens in the fall. So be interesting to see how. Navy Blue and and Gratify kind of uh, fit in with
1: each other, I think. Most definitely. And staffing, of course, will be an issue that's still, you know, that's not an issue that's gone away for the industry. Uh, You know, on the lower end, it's hard to get people in at the the entry level places because, you know, the the, the hourly wage has gone up so high. How do these places remain profitable? And at the higher end, getting people who are, um, you know, who have that kind of skill set to handle a more fine dining atmosphere, Sharif is a is a very sharp, uh, you know, and well seasoned front of the house professional, and I have a lot of faith in his his training programs and the people he chooses. So uh, I, I think we'll see good things from that, but it, it's still a cha- it'll still be a challenge nonetheless.
0: Absolutely, all right. I'm going to say that does it for our news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. This podcast is sponsored by Green Street, covering four city blocks in the heart of downtown Houston. Green Street offers access to dining, entertainment, and more. Green Street is an ideal location for dinner and drinks before or after attending a game downtown at one of its four restaurants: Guadalajara Del Centro, The Palm, House of Blues, or m and Seafood. Its proximity to Discovery Green also means Green Street is an ideal stop as part of a larger crawl through downtown's many attractions. Over the years. I've seen any number of concerts at House of Blues, but Green Street has other entertainment options as well. Pete's Dueling Piano Bar offers an energetic atmosphere for grabbing a drink, and friends can gather for a night of friendly competition at 810 Billiards and Bowling. Whatever the occasion, make Green Street your downtown destination of choice. Located at 1201 Fannin Street, go to greenstreetdowntown.com to see a full list of restaurant, bar, and entertainment destinations. Michael, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about patents. This is the new steakhouse that is located inside Savore in the Heights. Uh, you know, you were, you were just talking about seafood restaurants that have a steak on the menu and, and steakhouses that have one seafood dish on the menu. Well, that is certainly patents because they have, you know, five or six steaks on the menu. And then sea bass is the only uh, seafood option but, uh, but let me just start to you because it's, it's an interesting place. It's got that speakeasy vibe. It's got a very classic kind of steakhouse menu. You are a steakhouse veteran. So, so, what did you think of our meal at Patton's?
1: Well, it's interesting going in. I was, you know, I was a little bit dubious when you hear that phrase, speakeasy vibe. It sounds kind of gimmicky. And to some extent, it is, but they turned a, a somewhat limited space into something very viable. Uh, You know, it's actually kind of a cool experience walking behind the bar through the wine room. Um, But what's more important is that they deliver. Um, We had good professional reserve but friendly service. But more importantly, the steak I had, like we've talked about this before. I rarely go out for steaks. That's something that I do at home. Um, That's true of a lot of people I know in, in my industry. But. Man, it, it's like one of the best steaks I've had in a very long time. I mean, we had a great experience at at Trist not too long ago, but if I kind of even put that aside, I'd say it's one of the best steaks I've had in years. Uh, it was, you know, you hear that phrase, cooked to perfection. It was. There was this beautiful char on the outside, and yet the medium rare went really almost up to the edge. It was almost like they reverse seared it, like they had done a sous vide and reverse seared it, but they hadn't. So whoever was handing it to the grill was very adept at handling these you know large expensive proteins uh it was a i had a bone-in ribeye you know and to extent that's more of a visual thing there's actually not a lot of data that supports the fact that a bone-in steak is more flavorful matter of fact there's really none but i don't care it tasted it looked so good i would definitely have it again
0: yeah no i i mean i completely agree with you but I, I was very impressed by the quality of the cook and, and, you know, we order bone-in steaks on a pretty regular basis and it's tricky to get that proper crust, you know, medium rare throughout, you know, it it just, it doesn't always happen. And, and so, you know, to have that both with, with your ribeye and uh, my Wagyu strip was, was very gratifying. And I thought, you know, we had a, we had grilled uh, broccoli, we had mashed potatoes, we had a, a wedge salad, you know all very well executed. Uh, I thought the chocolate cake was really first rate. They've got a smart, a smart wine list. Uh, and you know, we, we, you know, you made a point of saying to the server, you know, I don't, I don't know who your grow guy is, but he really nailed it. And they said, Oh, well that's the the head chef is cooking the steaks tonight. So I don't know if if that's going to be the case every night where Eric Johnson is cooking the steaks, but, but he was the night we were there and it was, uh, it was special, and and he's a he's a veteran guy who's worked at a whole bunch of places. He really knows what he's doing.
1: Yeah, the steakhouse experience, to, to a great extent, it's like it's, it's a very one dimensional one. You don't really go very far off the culinary, uh, you know, traditional wheel, um, and so you really got to nail what you do. The chocolate cake was God, it was that was that was outstanding. Our sides were fine, you know, they were. I guess we had the asparagus; It wasn't overcooked, but it had just enough crunch to it and it's not a huge menu either like we didn't see the like you see that now this like this litany of grass-fed you know grain-fed domestic wagyu japanese australian wagyu you, you get the point is that you know the some of the bigger steakhouses are really as the tastes and the varieties of beef has expanded you know they're they're equal to the task and these guys are kind of keeping it tight you know it's a tight space they're, they obviously don't have they're not going to have a huge walk-in and a huge space to do all that. So they really got to nail what they do. And by all means, by our experience, they absolutely did.
0: And then just briefly, I want to mention Roberta's. This is the New York city, famous Brooklyn pizzeria that just opened at the post Houston and the food hall. Uh, Michael, I think the, the only question that people want to know is does it taste like the pizza in Brooklyn? You went with me to Roberta's in Houston. You've been to you've been to the Brooklyn location. I put it to you, does it hold up?
1: Yeah, it totally does. They nailed it. Um, there was like a softness that was like the, the dough was fermented just right, and most importantly, there was that beautiful char underneath. You know that that was a, a hallmark, I guess, of, a, of another chain that we know about uh, that stopped doing the char because Texans just were just they they just got so much uh, brushback on it. And this is the Roberta's is not going to do that. I don't think Uh, they're, you know, they're doing what what's made them famous and uh, I will totally be back there. I love the post. I love the whole thing that they've doing. And when they announced all the uh, vendors uh, the the one I was most excited about was Roberta's and they're here now. So, you know, set off the fireworks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
0: No, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, you know, that wood fired, it's not a it's not a traditional Neapolitan because it's not wet in the middle. Um, it's got a little more texture than that, it's got a little more, a little more char than than a true Italian pie. Uh, and that's all to the good because I, I, I think that makes for a very flavorful product. You know, very restrained in the use of the toppings, like seasoning was on point, the cook was great. You know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make any outlandish claims like this is the best pizza in Houston or anything like that. But but I will say we went to Pizarro's recently and had uh, a very tasty Neapolitan pie. And and the pizza that we had at Roberta's a few days later uh, holds its own with with anything I've had at Pizarro's, certainly
1: recently. Absolutely. I mean, Pizarro's is it it is a somewhat different one They're one they're tackling a variety of styles, i.e. New York, Detroit, Neapolitan, and they're doing it in a very traditional way, a very excellent way but Roberta's is kind of staying true to who they were. So they don't need to like change themselves for the Houston or the Texas market. They need to bring who they are, uh, you know, and that identity and by the beginning, all rights from the beginning, that's what they're doing. And uh, I couldn't be more excited.
0: Yeah. And they're, they're selling pepperoni rolls. He doesn't love pepperoni rolls.
1: (laughs) I got to say, I was, I was being kind of a snob about that. Like, you know, this is like a, a hot pocket or something like that, you know, come on, really, you know, do they freeze them? And, and, but, uh, (laughs) they were delicious i gotta say they were delicious
0: (laughs) all right well i'm gonna say that does it for the restaurants of the week thank you very much
1: always good to be here thank you and i'll see the rest of you at the houston barbecue festival
0: and i will be right back with the guys from the big vibe group I'm joined this week by the partners in The Big Vibe Group, a newly launched hospitality company that operates Copa, Gratify, and newly opened Flora. Gentlemen, let me introduce you separately so people can hear your voices. Grant Cooper, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing very good. Thank you, Eric. Pleasure to be on the show. Joseph Pratt, welcome. Thank you for having us. And Mark Cantu, welcome to the show. Thank you. Grant, let me, let me start with you. You know, obviously we've, we've talked quite a bit about how, you know, you and Charles Clark had Clark Cooper hospitality for, you know, more than 20 years and you decided to go your separate ways and, and Charles kept Pressery uh, Brasserie 19 and you, you kept gratify and Copa and open Flora. Why did you guys, Reach that point and, and,
2: and why did you decide to, to go your separate ways? Um, you know, like we said in the, in the articles and different uh, interviews, uh, you know, I think we've, we had a great run together for 20 plus years. We've known each other for 30 plus years. Um, it was just an evolution and it was a good point in our, our lives individually with our families as well to, to look at our company as a whole. And kind of assess where each one of us wanted to go uh, moving forward. And I think, uh, you know, this time period after COVID and everything and the closing of a visa kind of laid the groundwork for that conversation, which we did have. And uh, we came to a great agreement. And I think it's a you know, successful uh, future for both uh, myself and Charles.
0: Yeah, Joseph, let me, let me bring you in on that because obviously you were at Copa for a long time. Now you're a partner in, in Big Vibe. I mean, what kind of informed that decision for you? Why, why did you decide to, to join up with this new venture?
3: Well, more than a decision is taking the opportunity that Grant is extending to me. Um, I've been with Grant for about 10 years and most of the time working with him directly, um, you know, like... Uh, through the years, I saw Charles a few times, and I have a lot of respect for him. But but just very happy for the opportunity moving forward.
0: Yeah, Mark, let me let me kind of ask you the same question. I mean, you know, you were you came into Clark Cooper, you know, several years ago. You, you've seen you know a lot of growth and a lot of changes in that company. I mean, what what kind of influenced your decision to join in this partnership with Grant?
4: Well, a lot of it has to do with uh, relationships and uh, the, the 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 how the kind of uh, uh, the personalities, you know, and and the, the values and and that that you work alongside. And uh, the three of us just really have a natural. Uh, a bond and a natural sense of of what we're looking for and, and what we're doing. A lot of times we we complete our each other's thoughts in our sentences. And um, uh, for myself, it was really exciting working with with Charles and Grant and with with the different restaurants and developing them and developing programs and 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 working towards the continued success of the company. And it's just, uh, you know, wanting to continue to to grow and, and develop new things and exciting new things. And, and um, you know, working alongside Grant and Joseph, that's, you know, we, we both feed on that and we all feed on that and we, we enjoy it. We, we, we get off on it and we're looking forward to continuing to uh, work on uh, uh, more projects.
0: Yeah, Grant, let me pivot slightly. I mean, you, you opened Gratify last year to uh, considerable acclaim and, and a pretty consistently full dining room, at least from, from my perspective. I mean, uh, maybe talk a little bit about kind of the development of, of Gratify and, and what it's been like, you know, as you, you head into uh, the first year of operations.
2: Yeah. So Gratify has a, um, you know, special place in our hearts, uh, you know, the three of us and, and for that matter, the whole company, the employees, from me all the way down to the bus boys, you know, it, it, it was inspired during the two years of COVID. We had punks there, uh, as you know, which was a, um, you know, a good restaurant, but it wasn't quite the right fit for what we really want to do. Uh, Gratify was a concept that I had in my head along with five or six other concepts that I'm constantly working on with uh, Joseph and Mark. But um, this gave us an opportunity to transform punks into a, uh, a concept that we felt fit the neighborhood better. Uh, again, um, we literally built it from hand. Uh, you know, Josette was in there as the general contractor. I was, you know, creative design. Uh, we all, and my wife as well. Um, and then also, uh, you know, with Mark and everyone. Uh, it, literally, we had our bus boys, and you know, we were painting the walls, tearing up the carpet, redoing the kitchen uh developing the menu everything uh so it was it was a pleasure to do it and it kept us occupied during the uh bad times of covid and i think it is reflective in the kind of concept that it is it, it, when people walk in they really feel the you know the love I, I guess you could say and the passion behind it everything has its place in there it was some of the things were brought from my house some things we we bought in our uh antique shows in different places so the food was, uh, again, developed by, internally by us, and, uh, you know, we put a lot of thought and, and, and uh, passion into the development of Gratifying so far it's been a great success coming up almost on, a, on its first year in July.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I I mean I just think that design is so stunning and, and transportive. It really, you know, it feels like an escape from the real world almost. You know, I, I know you said that you sort of collected these items over the years, but maybe just elaborate on kind of the aesthetic and and putting that room together. Cause it, it certainly, if, if you didn't know that it was punks before, you would have no idea that it, it had ever been anything yeah. other
2: than gratify. Well, that was the mission, Eric is, is, uh, you know, I said, uh, let's make sure nobody ever knew punks was here, you know, and because when you take a space and you flip it, you, you know, some people will leave rem- remnants of things and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, depends on the situation, but we wanted to, in this particular space, you know, uh, get rid of 100% of what was punks and make it gratify the, uh, you know, and we wanted the place when you walk in, like you said, we want people to feel transported as soon as they walked up to the front door, not even when they go through the front door, but pull on the door handles, which were old bed frames that Joseph found at an antique store that we, uh, you know, we turned into the uh, door handles, things like that, the balcony out front. We wanted this sense of place, and I think we really put our heart and soul in it, even more so because, like I said, it was during COVID, and we wanted a place where people, when COVID was, uh, you know, would would end, that they could go, and it was a, you know, an, a form of gratitude to our staff. Uh, really, I mean, um, like I said before, I've had a lot of tears in my eyes having to tell staff that we couldn't keep them, and there's been a lot of emotion over the last two and a half years, and I think all that emotion was poured into the design and the food and everything that goes into gratifying.
0: Yeah. I guess just, you know, we'll, we'll move on the floor here in just a minute, but, but what are, what are some of the dishes that have really stood out at gratify and what are you, what are you sort of most proud of about how that that restaurant has been operating?
2: Um, well, you know, the menu is not huge, but I think uh, the raw bar has been a, a, you know, a great success. And a lot of people in the neighborhood is me raw bar in that area uh for now i believe there's going to be some other people coming in uh in the neighborhood which i'm happy to create more synergy for that uh rice village area but the raw bar's been a, a success the uh, cocktail program the wine program as well and of course on the menu the steak uh being in texas is, is the number one seller and uh you know the uh the polpo, the octopus dish is uh unbelievable the broccoli and lentils so all the size are uh, are great things, and I think what people uh, realize when they go in, it's not so heavy, you know. Which we try to do in all our concepts is keep everything fresh and clean, so uh, you know you're not you're not feeling like uh you know you're going to go in a coma when you, after you eat. So that's you know one of our objectives as well.
0: Absolutely. All right. Let's let's talk about flora. I mean, you know, one of the one of the things you've you've told me for years is that you have you have multiple concepts at seventy five percent. And then you're just waiting for the right opportunity to, to bring them to fruition. right? So how long have you been kicking around the idea of Flora? And why was now the right time to,
2: to do that? So I've wanted to do a Mexican restaurant for 10 years. Um, you know, every time I had conversations with uh, my prior partners and just people in general, you know, I, I always thought Mexican food, uh, we're in Texas, we're in Houston. It's one of those things that people gravitate to i always say that the first thing they want to do when they get off the airplane when they land back at home in houston they go to their favorite uh mexican restaurant and get their chips and their margarita and i could kind of put some at home and kind of their comfort zone um, and then again you know just like the 75 percent rule essentially you know i come up with ideas for restaurants that out of selfishness in a way that those are concepts that i want to do and you know uh, i think after 30 years in the city you know we, we, we feel pretty good about what the customers like as well. So we try to uh, marry those two ideas together. But Flora, like I said, it's been in my mind for ten years, easy. Uh, I think in the last four years, we really started to uh, tweak it and narrow it down. We were to the point where we were gonna launch a flora restaurant elsewhere. Covid hit. but uh, you know we we would sit at Copa and cook for two years to flora dishes. Um, you know, Joseph was integral in the menu development of flora and along with our chefs that we have within our own restaurants. Uh, and then just the things that my wife and I, we like to travel and, and eat. And so those are all inspirations that came uh, to fruition uh, on the floor and menu. And again, we think it's an excellent menu. I think it has diversity. And I think uh, you, know, you, you have an opportunity to do a lot of authentic Mexican food, but we, we touch on a little Tex-Mex, but we think we do the Tex-Mex better than anybody. Um, so, so far so good, um, you know, but it's just the honeymoon theory. So we know this business is a, it's a snail's pace for the, you know, long-term success.
0: Well, I, I mean, I agree with you that, that, you know, Mexican food and, and especially Tex-Mex is such a, a staple in Houston. And, and, you know, to your point, uh, you know, whenever I, I come home from a trip, weirdly, like, this is just something my family's done for probably, you know, 20 years or more. We go to good company Taqueria like on the way home from the airport. So I I think, I think you're spot on that, that wherever we, wherever we go, like the first thing that Houstonians crave when they come back is, is some sort of Mexican food. But at the same time, it's like everybody already has their favorite Tex-Mex restaurant, certainly. And so you've really got to, you've really got to bring it if you want to sort of crack someone's irritation.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Uh, You know, I think, you know, me, I'm pretty, um, confident in our concepts uh you know it's all about execution after that and then it's about uh this day and age is finding good you know staff in general it's, it's, it's still the biggest obstacle but we're not afraid to put a mexican restaurant in this city by any means uh you know um uh, or any concept for that matter but um yeah i mean you know everyone says there's a thousand mexican restaurants but I I don't think there's a thousand good Mexican restaurants, but again, you know, food is is to the the, uh, beholder. So everyone has their opinion among food from, from birth. So, uh, you know, we'll see where it all plays out. But like I said, we've had a very positive feedback and, you know, we're just taking baby steps and being trying to be as humble as possible to be here for the next 20 years is our goal.
0: Yeah. Joseph, let me, let me bring you back into this because, you know, like Grant said, you were, you were instrumental in, in developing the menu. And, and certainly, you know, w- when I visited at, at your invitation, you were kind of the, the person who guided us through that meal. Um, so, so maybe just sort of talk a little bit about your role in, in developing this menu and, and kind of what you, what you brought to, to Flora.
3: Well, I wouldn't say it was me, you know, by myself by any means, though, it's been, it's been a team, though. It's driven by gratitude. You know, all of these starts with gratify when, when we as a team came together to give a life, though. And kind of like the same here, though, we, we had a lot of time to develop Florida. Though, and and uh, we have, as you know, a lot of Mexican nationals in the kitchen, though. And, and we've been cooking the food that we grew up with for years. Though, and we find ourselves always saying, this is the best Mexican food in town, though. The one in the back of Copa, though. It's kind of like the the school for other managers. It's kind of like the incubator for for chefs in the company, for cooks. And uh, we've been we've been working on it for for a long, long time. Though some of these dishes are the dishes that I love as a kid growing up in Mexico City and Guanajuato, and some others uh, are ideas from Grant and JC of their travels. You know, and uh, if they show me a picture or or something like that, then we'll give it life. Our interpretation of things. You know, and like you wrote about. The tostada from Contra <clears throat> We're not afraid of doing that and finding inspiration in other, in other restaurants around the world, or or Mexico City, or here, you know, California, or whatever it is. So uh, the way we look at it, you know, well, the way I look at it, I, you know, I think I mentioned it to you that day. If we have a full house and empty plates, going back to the kitchen, I think we're doing our job right. Now. Right, and what I liked is
0: you know, we're sitting there at dinner and, you know, the tuna tostada looks like the, the plating certainly looks like contramar. And we asked you about it and you're like, yes, you know, that's the obvious inspiration, but, you know, we're, our recipe is different for this reason and that reason. And you, you cited all these, these different components. So, it, you know, I, I guess what what I'm saying is I thought it was really thoughtful. And so, you know, maybe just expand on that a little bit, you know, what are, what are some of the other restaurants that sort of inspired what you're, what you're doing at, at Flora and, and obviously Grant. I mean, from-
3: it goes from, from, you know, very classic places in Mexico, like San bernardo where you can find the suizas and we've done something very different here though. Like, uh, I just came back from Mexico city. I was there and, um, and Michael actually sent me an email with uh, recommendations to go and check it out. I didn't have time this time because it was a very short trade though. But uh, we went to Sanborns because I wanted to revisit on dos enchiladas. And I was like, man, I think as a kid, when you're a kid and you're trying all these different ingredients, your brain, you know, it's just exploding of excitement and your palate is learning. And, um, and you remember certain flavors, maybe better when, you know, what is now though. I went back there and I'm like, Floras are a hundred times better. And then I was thinking, okay, so what are we doing different though? I'm like, well, the tortilla for starters, right? We uh, mixed them all in house, 100% mixed them all, 100% corn tortillas, So we're doing white, yellow, blue though. Uh, we, we brought our Molino from Mexico though. And we're using those tortillas in the enchilada. Then it's a, it's a free ranch organic air chilled chicken that, we're using only wild meat and sous vide in it, and then uh, sautéing it with olive oils, there pepper wrapping it in that 100% corn tortilla, and then the sauce with 14 plus ingredients. That you know, when you put all of this together, kind of like the the way we've been cooking at Copa for the past eight years, you know, and the way we develop the menu at Gratify, and and you apply those techniques to Mexican cuisine and buy very high uh, quality ingredients and your result is incredible and we have Mexican nationals here in the restaurant as you can imagine a lot of them coming and they take their hat off and they tell us this is like Mexico if not better than Mexico and uh, we're very happy and excited to see that happening though I mean I'm over the moon, though. It's incredible, though. Now, there's a little bit of work uh, for us to do, you know, when it comes to education and people that are coming to a restaurant and checking out some things. Or maybe somebody still never had Molly, you know, or stuff like that. So we have to be very instrumental when we go to the table and, and communicate with the guests to make sure that what we're about to put on the table is something that they like. So that's why we spent a lot of time with the service before we opened up no, we the training lasted almost two months though. And, uh, we wanted to make sure that, that we had a shot to, to actually be successful. And, and so far, like Grant say, uh, maybe, you know, and not, I, I don't want to say overwhelming response though, but it's, it's almost that, you know, it's in incredibly busy all the time. We're working really hard and we have a phenomenal team though. And we, we feel very proud. Of it. Yeah. Mark, let me bring
0: you back into the conversation. I mean, what, you know, I know you're kind of the behind the scenes guy, maybe the wine guy, like, but, but what was your kind of role in, in bringing this to fruition? And, and what do you think about how it's going so far?
4: Well, we, I, I think we'll, we're all going to agree that it's going really, really well. Um, uh, uh, it, at, at this point, it's uh, it's uh, meeting and uh, and exceeding our expectations. Uh, our goal is to continue to focus on uh, every element to so that we continue to be successful. The service, the, um, uh, the quality, the consistency, um, we're looking for uh, still more employees that continues to be a challenge. Uh, so that is, um, you know, playing a role working with the, with the managers in acquiring new people, working with the training, uh, you know, more of a background, uh, more in the business sense, uh, probably, uh, and the one that's keeping an eye more on, you know, where we are financially, where we are on costs, where we are on, on uh, all the things that uh, that keep the restaurant running you know in terms of making sure that we have everything that we need to be successful uh both uh, uh materially and uh, financially so you know but you know at the end of the day grant joseph and myself were constantly just talking about everything uh back and forth and we're all agreeing on on what we need to do so we're all playing a role in that you know continued role on 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 all the things that we're doing and changes and and let's tweak that and let's tweak this and let's focus on that and let's not do this and let's do that. So um, really just working with the team and in, 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 in all aspects.
0: Yeah. Grant, I mean, you know, like Joseph was saying, you know, it's influenced by um, some restaurants in Mexico city. It's influenced by, you know, some of the places you've traveled to. I mean, you know, what, what are some of those places and kind of how did they, you know, maybe beyond specific dishes, you know, how did your travels influence what you're doing
2: at Flora? So I think the travel part of it is not necessarily just one specific restaurant, although there's some restaurants certainly, you know, that we like and visit. But it's more, uh, you know, the reason why we picked the name the Big Vibe Group is it's more about a vibe and a, and an attitude to like the overall thinking. So the, the good part about working with Joseph and Mark and then all our chefs and cooks is really trying to get everybody on the same DNA about what what is like the overall picture of the menu supposed to be. And to me, it always goes back to providing, first of all, what people what I think people in Houston can relate to and, and enjoy. And then what we like, and then how do we kind of get those two to work and keep it at the highest quality ingredients, and as clean as healthy as possible. So that way, when people eat it, they don't feel like, Oh, I'm not, I liked it, but I'm not gonna come back probably for, you know, two weeks. We need these people in here, you know, three or four times a week in our restaurants is always our goal, if not more. And we've been able to see that at floor in a short period of time, in about three or four weeks, we've been open, we've seen numerous people in our restaurants three or four times a week already. Uh, And, uh, you know, like like, uh, Joseph and Mark said, it's been great feedback. But um, so I guess to answer your question on the traveling and where the inspiration comes from a lot from Mexico, uh, more so in Tulum on the beaches. Uh, I'd like to, you know, get to the beach as soon as I can, when I can. Uh, Even places outside of Mexico or even restaurants that weren't necessarily Mexican. It's more about the energy, the attitude. It may be something if I had at Cipriani's in Miami and it was a uh, shrimp, uh, you know, shrimp crudo type of dish or something like that. And how we can incorporate something that's an Italian thing into a, a Mexican thing or something I ate in uh, Venice beach uh, at a restaurant that I can incorporate into a Mexican concept or, you know, any one of our other concepts for that that matter. And I think that's where I had the most joy uh, with my kids and my wife and then bringing that kind of Intel, so to speak, back to uh, Joseph and Mark and we sit down and talk and then we, we really dive deeper into what I'm, my vision is for a Mexican restaurant in Houston, and it's it's always refreshing, uh, I think, with the last two concepts, Gratify and Flora, to kind of walk in our own restaurants and see that vision come to life, you know, and be pretty point on from what it was two, three years ago. And uh, you know, like anything when you're cooking it as well, it's, it takes a couple months to a year, if, if not longer, to really get that restaurant rolling the way we really know how it will. So we're excited not only for now, but really for the future because we know it's just going to get better and better. We're about to take over the space in front of Flora, which is, was the office uh, for the Buffalo Bayou Partnership or a visitor center, I should say uh, and expand flora a little bit more, uh, well, we'll have some opportunity to do some small little parties and other things, but it's going to become its own oasis out here at Lost Lake. The whole building will be flora, the whole, all the grounds around it, you know? So we, we have, a, we still have more uh, decor to go and more things to offer, uh, at flora itself or, you know, right now.
0: Well, and let me just ask you about one other kind of aspect of flora. You know, you guys are known for, you know, a very affordable wine markup and, and wine is a big part of your, your offering. It, it's certainly a Copa and, and a Gratify. Uh, you, you've, from my perspective, you've leaned more towards the, the cocktails at, at Flora, less, less kind of heavy on the wine. I mean, do you find that your regulars from the other restaurants are, are receptive to that or, or, or are they pushing you to, to put more wine on the menu?
2: So uh, again, so we we like to kind of open with what we think works for us, and part of that is a matter of function, matter of space, literally, uh, a matter of uh, you know various things, but those things all come into play. But yeah, we knew uh, that liquor, so to speak, or margaritas was going to be the driving force. You know, it's a Mexican restaurant, and again, I you know I always uh, think it's funny when people try to outthink the fox, so to speak, and try to create something too cute. Uh, well, you know, People want margaritas and they want tequila when they're in Mexican restaurant. They want to be transported. They don't want to be thinking about what was going on in Houston or outside of Houston around the world. And when they come into the floor or to whatever their favorite Mexican restaurant is, they're going to sit down and they're going to want a margarita. Uh, now, of course, we are, you know, we love our wine. So we do have a wine list and we listen to our customers and already we've had feedback and we've already tweaked the wine list for people that want you know, they're big calves or they want this or that. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be driven by the uh, cocktail program, uh, you know, at Flora for sure. But we, we're going to continue to listen to our clientele and, and uh, listen to our regulars. And, and that uh, will kind of dictate where the wine list goes.
0: Well, and, and just in terms of the decor, you know, whereas gratify was like a complete transformation. You had the Dunlevy there before it was Flora I mean all those chandeliers and and that great view of the bayou you know I I think the transformation is more restrained right cuz cuz it had it had such good bones like you you wouldn't really want to mess with it that much
2: Yeah exactly so the bones of punk's work were were, were different <laughs> and it you know so those bones weren't as good as these bones these bones are pretty much perfect so you know, we spent a lot of money on those chandeliers. We, we you know, they're not, they're uh, paying pain the to put up uh, and everything else. So, and they're, they're stunning. Uh, and, you know, when I brought up the idea to put Flora here, because, you know, when Dunlady has been closed so long, we were, you know, racking our brains trying to figure out what concept to put in. And we knew it was going to be a full-time restaurant at this point, but didn't know which one for sure. But when i brought up flora most of the people in my group said i don't know but then once we kind of kind of explained it with the chandeliers and it kind of brought mexico city to the space but it also had the edges of the organic outside and things like that i always liked things that are juxtaposed so they kind of have these opposite things working and i think the food uh you know the space is beautiful and I think the food is great. And I think, you know, when you're in there, you, you definitely don't feel like you're anywhere in Houston. So, I, uh, you know, then it was our job to just, you know, execute, you know, high quality food consistently, good cocktails, uh, good music, everything, the whole dining experience, you know, what I call the Pulp Fiction moment, you know, give them two and a half hours of great dining experience so they're not thinking about anything else. Um, and <laughs> so, yes, I mean, if if that's the key, Pulp Fiction. That's our secret ingredient.
0: I see. You know, every time I talk to you, I feel like I learned something. I did not know that <laughs> that Pulp Fiction was such an important part of the the uh, aesthetic or the philosophy. It's a part. Yeah, it's what uh, drives me. <laughs> <I'm> joking. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't go around stabbing That's people a... in the heart with adrenaline or uh,
2: stabbing yeah. people with nah. swords, I think you're probably okay. I I kind of want to do that some days on Saturdays, you know, whatever. But you know, I restrain myself.
0: Yeah. Very. <laughs> Yeah, very, very kind of you not to uh pull out a gun and hold up all the uh all
2: the customers <laughs> of
0: your own restaurant. I think that's that's a good, yeah. A good plan. Yeah. I, I mean you do have quite a bit, you know, you, you just opened Flora. You do have some other projects in the works. I mean, you you've announced a new restaurant uh for the Montrose Collective that I I think you're calling it Graffiti right.
2: Raw. Graffiti Raw, yeah.
0: Um I mean, how much? I I don't know. How much are you ready to sort of say about that? Or or maybe uh, what's the timing or or any of those kind of basic.
2: So uh, graffiti raw was a concept that again, was one of those 75% deals that's been percolating for the, you know, four or five years or so. And it's kind of evolved over time, you know, and I think that's important as well, Eric, to, you know, again, let's, you know, don't don't be too cute. You know, we have to be smart enough and uh, humble enough to change course a little bit when we think of a concept and as it you know develops we we may tweak it here or there uh based on what's going on and you know around us and in and, and everything else so but yeah the concept's going to open in september october of this year uh or, or right around there don't hold it to me but probably let's just say it october of this year will be open uh it's a smaller space would be our smallest space it's about 2600 square feet with a patio uh it's a beautiful the montrose collective I'm, I'm pretty sure you've been over in that area it's a beautiful build out the whole uh you know center's stunning in my opinion i think random capital did a great job on that development itself and there's good tenants but uh you know the i think it was destined to be the the actual address is at uh, california street and grant street so um i think we were meant to be in that spot so uh i'll give you more details but it's kind of Graffiti Raw at this point is kind of like having sushi without the rice and eating, you know, similar style food without, like I said, without the rice, but with your toes in the sand on the beach in your mind, wherever that beach may be.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you had floated the idea or you know, pre-pandemic of a a kind of health food, like a healthy dining concept called uh, satisfy. Is this is this an evolution
2: of that or is it something else? No, no, this is not an evolution of Satisfy. Satisfy is something I would like to bring back to the table. At some point down the road, it just didn't work out. But uh, uh, but no, Graffiti Raw actually was inspired originally from doing caviar. I don't want to tell this because someone will take my damn idea. But uh, a caviar concept and basically introducing caviar in a much more cooler, hipper way uh, and not make it so pretentious. Kind of like how we did with wine. We were the first ones. Uh, to introduce wine at such a low markup to allow people at the younger ages to, you know, drink and have a good time in a great restaurant. And caviar I always thought was put on a pedestal. Uh, And to me, it's the same thing, you know, winemakers are smoking weed, having a good time and people that drink it, want to make it all fussy. So caviar, you know, you should just eat it and not put all the accoutrements on it and uh, you know, and have a little vodka or whatever your choice of cocktail is with it, but not, again make it too fussy so that was the idea originally is have a small caviar bar but do it completely opposite again of what most people would do i think when they walk into a caviar bar which would be you know over the top decor we would play (coughs) hip-hop music and have all entry different levels of caviar service and keep it simple but it evolved from there to graffiti raw which will be uh, much more extensive well
0: well let me just i'm I'm completely with you because i think my my favorite way to eat caviar in Houston is it is it real where they put it on house made tater tots, right? Like that. Yeah, that's the right vibe, you know. With a glass of with a with a shot of vodka or a glass of sparkling wine or whatever. It doesn't have to be so serious all the time.
2: No, because it takes away. You know, I mean, I I, I mean, it's fine, but it doesn't. It's it just. You know, food is food, you know, people should be trying things and not make it. Uh, you can still introduce it, and then there's no exact rules how you eat food. And for when people say, oh, well, you didn't do the chiriano the way we supposed to do it. I'm like, no, this is the way we do it. And you know, everyone has their interpretation of food. and you know, like I always say, people are born eating food, and that's the only, we're in the only business where people feel like they're, they know what they're talking about. You know, when they come in the restaurant, I couldn't go walk in a doctor and tell them how to operate on me, but people walk in our restaurants daily and tell us, you know, their opinion, which is good, but you know, sometimes it's a little annoying. Oh, you, you, you'd be surprised what people Google and then take into their doctor's
0: offices, you know, like, Oh, I, Google (laughs) says I have, I have, you know, I have these three ailments. It's, it's gotta be cancer. It's like, no, no, you're, you know, leave, leave that to the professionals leave and, and, you know, for me, for the most part, I'm content to leave the cooking to the professionals too. Let me just ask you about one last thing, which was Daddy's Burgers, the uh, the pop up that you you sort of had briefly, you know, in 2020. And and I'm only asking because I really enjoyed it. I I thought you were really onto something with with Daddy's Burgers, and and I'd like to see you it keep come back. Me that. So. <laughs> well, I I mean, I I think I was the the number one
2: fan. So yeah, well, honestly, uh, we are going to bring that back, and uh it we'll make an announcement on that, but that, uh, my kids keep asking me, cause you know, that's kind of where the name came from. But, uh, yeah, I think it's one of the best burger experiences, you know, and that's one of those things, right? I mean, everyone does a burger, but I don't know, sometimes it's just about how you package it how you, you know, it's just this overall dining experience, again, the Pulp Fiction thing. Right. But, uh, but we're, we're excited. We're going to uh, launch daddy's burger again. And, uh, you know, I'll certainly let you know and have you come in and do some tastings on that. Make sure we're back on point with it. All right.
0: I look forward to that. And, uh, and let me just ask you about one last thing. And then, and then I'll let you go. But, you know, certainly with, with Italian restaurants like Copa and certainly with, with a Mexican restaurant like Flora, you know, the model is not, is not one location. It's, it's sort of multiple locations. Do you, do you have ambitions to, you know, go into other parts of Houston or even to like Austin and Dallas? I mean, is that, is that maybe in the, in the five-year plan?
2: Uh, yes, it's definitely in the plans. Uh, again, that was probably one of the factors of uh, Charles and I kind uh, of you know, dissolving our, our partnership. Uh, you know, we had different goals. Uh, and um, you know, I certainly feel like with Mark and Joseph and the rest of our people, we, we have a great team. We have great people that work for us. And I almost feel like it's my obligation to, to uh, everyone to, to expand our company and to grow, so those people can grow, and everybody, you know, can benefit from that growth. Uh, and I think we know what we're doing. I mean, I'm not saying we're the best by any means, but I think we're definitely up there. And I think we know what people in Houston will like. And I'm definitely going to be looking at other opportunities within Houston. And uh, you know, I've looked at Austin over the last 10 years. We've tried to go there, or thought about going there, and we've never quite pulled the trigger. So those are marketplaces. Dallas, even, uh, you know, wherever. Uh, but mostly I, re- I like to go to places where I like to go. So Miami would be a nice destination too. Well, there you go. Break- breaking news a little bit. <laughs> well.
0: No again, no leases yet, know, right? Just, just uh, long-term plans.
2: No, no, no. Long-term plan. But we do have a plan. We have a very uh, well-thought-out plan over the next 10 to 15 years, actually. And, uh, you know. You know, but the biggest uh, concern for me is just uh, uh, in the hospitality and our business of growth is the uh, labor force is very limited. Uh, and it's I think it's going to be a long term problem. So it's something we have to look at on the type of concepts uh, that's going to be a driving force until uh, I don't know when I don't think it's going to change the labor market. So I think, you you know, the restauranteurs have to rethink uh, You know our cost has gone up. Extraordinarily, just not only on goods but on labor. So you know it's reflective across the you know on the menus you know across you know in every restaurant really, uh, not only ours but other restaurant operators. You know I've talked to is the same situation, of course.
0: All right. Well then, uh, Grant, Mark, and, and Joseph, thanks for
2: doing this. And uh, Grant, why don't oh, wait, you give Eric, us Oh wait, I got a question. Yeah, you didn't you didn't give us the the three things about Houston? Don't you do a, like a questionnaire thing? Oh, you
0: want to do the light. All right. Yes. Before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Let those guys do it. I've already done it once before. That's fair enough. All right. Mark and Joseph, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Joseph, let me start with you. What is your favorite ingredient?
3: um, Olive oil. Mark, how about you? Um, Black pepper. Joseph, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? It's called Maná. It's a band from Mexico City, or from Guadalajara, actually, but in Mexico.
0: Mark, how about you? Willie Nelson. Joseph, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Mm, Let's see.
3: I'm not a big sports guy, but. There was a soccer player for the MLS. Ching is the last name. He comes to all restaurants. I really Oh, know.
0: Brian Ching. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, he's a cool dude. And he does a lot for, for the city.
4: Mark, how about you? Uh, Kareem Elijah I've always enjoyed, I've always liked his, uh, his manner, his, uh, his uh, uh, outlook on teamwork and community.
0: Joseph, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive thru.
3: Um oh from a restaurant um the burger night ten across um and I can't think of the name but it's it's a burger joint though. and then they only have one location it's in uh it's in katie though I can't think of the name right
0: all right fair enough mark what about you
4: uh, man we uh drive through i don't. i be honest with you i i don't do drive throughs uh but I guess if I guess I was in a crunch and I was with my boys, we would we would end up going to Waterburger.
0: And then Joseph, last question: When you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings?
3: Uh, pepperoni and red onion, probably mushrooms. Is up there too. Jalapenos. <laughs> That's a bunch. But I would say pepperoni first. Sure.
0: All right, Mark. What are what are your go-to pizza toppings?
4: Uh, pepperoni and onion. So you guys can share a pizza. Yeah, we can yeah, share a pizza. We yeah, I just. I'll even take the jalapenos. <laughs> All right.
0: Um, you want to give me the website for Flora and uh, the social media? Uh,
2: yeah, Flora Kitchen Houston. It's uh, <laughs> on the big vibe. Or the group big just you. tell them to go to Big Vibe Group. The Big Vibe Group will have everything. All right, Big Vibe Group.
0: Look for look for Big Vibe Group. Look for Flora on Instagram. Look for Gratify on Instagram. Look for Cope on Instagram.
3: If you want to go directly to Flora, at Flora Kitchen
0: Houston. Flora Kitchen Houston. Good to know. All right. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Take
0: care. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.